Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Politics Podcast. Today we're in the Guernsey uh, Press Coffee House, uh, having a little uh, conversation on the political issues of the day. Uh, my name is James Feller and I'm joined today by uh, our Chief Politics Reporter Matt Fallais and Lyndon Trott. Um, uh, Deputy Lyndon Trott has been a States member since 2000. W- what a long time that is. Uh, and in that time, he has been Treasury Minister, Chief Minister and a serial backbencher. So we know that he's all over the, the issues we're going to discuss today, which is basically the, the, um, uh, the, the matters that are before the States over the next few weeks. Um, Matt, you've been reporting on many of these things. What has uh, particularly uh, taken your attention in recent days? Well, I think the biggest political story around at the moment, again, as it has been for much of the year, is uh, tax and spending and borrowing, because the Policy and Resources Committee is going to make another attempt, really its third attempt, to get GST through the states, uh, coupled with other tax changes, which would benefit the least affluent half of islanders. It is very much put forward as a package. They failed to get that through the states in February, when, when it was last voted on, And they have now added to their package £350 million of borrowing to kickstart a very long list of capital projects. But in the report, their policy letter, which underpins their proposals, and we have been reporting on quite a lot of of this over the past few days, there are um, several pieces of new information, including that future borrowing may even exceed the £1 billion mark because of uh, housing requirements and the requirements to fund um, uh, the infrastructure associated with the new electricity strategy, which the States has recently approved. And this uh, admission from policy and resources, which we are um, reporting on in in, uh, today's press, that um, the 10 to 16 million pound savings target that has been agreed by the States, which policy and resources is meant to be leading on, is, is now very likely to be missed. PNR isn't saying uh, they, they think it's an unrealistic target, but they are making an admission. They say it's now there's now a two-thirds probability that that savings target will be missed. Uh, so I think there is quite a lot of new information to underpin uh, what will be, in a sense, that the same old kind of debate uh, next month about the future of tax and spending. Same old debate, but ra- slightly different, I guess, because these projects have come in. So, Lyndon, you opposed the GST proposal last time round. Uh, this time, you know, new things on the table. Where does it sit with you? Well, um, firstly, uh, Jim, uh, thank you for that sort of glittering introduction, uh, which missed the four and a half years I spent as Deputy Chief Minister. I, I have to say, I thought that period was slightly more memorable than you did, clearly. Um, but... Uh, w- the, why did I oppose uh, GST? I, I oppose GST for a, a number of reasons. Um, uh, one of the reasons is that uh, it was clearly you know, deeply unpopular. Now, that alone isn't enough, because if you have a, a community that isn't supportive of something, um, it doesn't necessarily always mean that you shouldn't do it. And a perfect example of that was Zero Ten. We spent a huge amount of effort trying to explain why it was absolutely essential. Um, but it, it, despite that, 
there were large swathes of our community who didn't um, uh, who didn't want um, that policy to come in, and some still blame it to this day for the position we're in, uh, you know, now. Because nothing could be further from the truth. Because it would have been an awful lot worse if our financial services industry had collapsed. My criticism of the Policy and Resources Committee is that they did too little for too long. They almost, I think, uh, adopted a uh, an attitude of well, the only sensible decision in our view is the introduction of a, of a new tax and there are some ar- arguments in favor of that a- and they simply didn't put the effort in now I-, I have some sympathy for them because you know you can take you know, if, if the people don't come to you you have to go to the people and that's exactly what Peter Fairbrush is doing this this week, of course, with this new Facebook initiative. I predict that will end in tears, um, but I don't uh, criticise, like some, um, his uh, desire to do it. I, I mean, they've got to do something. Um, but the it, it is it's the hypocrisy of politics that troubles me the most after these twenty three and a half years. When we were discussing Alderney Airport, one of the arguments that I and others put forward was if you actually brought in the to the equation the cost of capital, the real cost of capital for this sort of operational commercial entity, then the numbers simply didn't stack up. And here we are now contemplating borrowing at a time in the cycle where. It it's, you know, 10-year money, risk-free 10-year money is being lent to the UK government at 4.5%. If we wanted to borrow 25-year money or 30-year money, we'd be paying up to 6%. So that's, if you're going to do that, that's the figure, that's the cost of the capital that you need to uh, utilise for commercial type operations. Not for schools, because schools are not commercial. Some parts of hospitals are, but airports are obviously are. Um, and they rushed to get that through because, you know, um, it would be it would be under threat if it was part of a, a, a larger, a larger um, a, a pot of uh, decisions. Ironically, it's now going to be um, part of that because uh, circumstances have caught up with them. And, and Lyndon, it's yeah. a vast list, isn't it? it oh, it's, it's a huge it's list. It's a £500 million pound plus yeah. list of capital projects. Yes. And Policy and Resources gives the impression of, I mean, for, for perfectly understandable reasons, I suppose, but wanting its its chief achievement of this term yep. to be kicking on with big capital projects, doesn't it? I mean, in a sense, that that's what it's got left. It all stems from day one, doesn't it, of the new states, when uh, Peter, in a, in a very sort of Churchillian way, Peter Fairbrush said, look, you know, vote for me and it's action this day. Um, of course, it, it hasn't, that hasn't um, been the case. It, 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 I'd argue it's, it's actually been the slowest states in terms of getting things done. Not all of these... Um, uh, 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 some of the the factors involved in that are outside of any of their control Um, but others are the the truth is um, it's almost impossible to get a plumber or an electrician and if you do get one they'll say well we'll get to you in, in a couple of months time the industry has never been busier and, and and I don't I really don't care what anyone says that that is a fact, which means that the ability to get uh, much done uh, uh, over the next three four even five years is fairly limited, which effectively means um, the decisions can take a little longer uh, to be thought through and agreed on. But what they're using uh, doing is they're using this opportunity now to say look it's one or the other or both. 
you know, what we would prefer is the introduction of a new tax. That'll solve all our problems. Um, but if you don't want that, then, then we need to borrow and we need to borrow now. Well, well what are the, the truth is only an idiot would borrow now. I, I think there's no chance of that getting through. No, the so I was going to ask, what, what chances do you think there are of the states, both or, or either, yep. um, getting GST through and getting the long list of capital projects approved, either borrowing 200 million, which is in one of yep. PNR's packages, or borrowing 350? Getting GST through, I think, is extremely unlikely. It would require three or four members to change their minds. Uh, I don't think uh, that will happen. Uh, but in many respects, the long list of ca capital projects is academic for the, the points or reasons we're, we're, we're making here. The, there is insufficient capacity in the industry uh, to deliver, unless, of course, you sock in a huge amount of outside labour. And that will see a repeat of the nonsense we saw back in the noughties, where uh, I, I distinctly remember the press uh, very accurately at the time running a headline that said something like tender price inflation was running at 42% uh, a year. So a project that had been costed out at 10 million was coming in at 14.2 million because of the way we had stoked uh, the the amount of of, uh, 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 of stuff that we were introducing into the pipeline with, with insufficient people to do it. So you can solve that problem by sucking in a huge amount of outside labour, but I don't think that's that's the answer. So the point is, it, the construction industry's capacity will be the the primary dictating uh, factor in how quickly this program of construction work is is completed. So, so the, the, this debate initially was now framed as being effectively um hospital versus sixth form center yeah are you really saying that frankly there's you know, there's no scope for doing i uh, um neither well I, 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 put to me like that I, i'd say there is scope to do one or the other but what i don't think there is scope to do is to do one or the other in a cost-effective way at the same time as we're building 300 new houses a year. Because remember, the trend is about 100 a year if we're lucky. So we're going to we need to triple that, and I think everyone accepts that you know housing is a top priority. But if you're doing that, if you're if 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 you're doing thrice as much uh, uh, um, house house construction, e even if it is modular, uh, the the consequences of of that will read across to the prices one gets to do the work for for hospitals or schools. That said. There's no doubt in my mind that the states will favour uh, the work on the hospital overworked on the education uh, estate. And there's a number of reasons for that. But one of them is uh, many states members remain completely unconvinced uh, that the education estate plan is the right way forward. That is that is the truth of it. Um, and also, and this is going to sound sort of fairly controversial to some of your listeners, um, but I think it's true. Confidence in this education committee has fallen quite rapidly. They're doing their best, but you see that with the hammering they got on the education law, with the difficulties they've had with regards uh, a Sark school, you know, that there is, they're more likely to lose a big issue than, than win it. Yeah, I, yeah, so taking that uh, yeah. that issue on, I thought it was two points really from, from from what you said. But initially, let's let's do education. I mean, you know, as as the debate was framed, hospital versus school, yep. they were going to lose that. Effectively, that move would have been terminal for 
this education, sport and culture committee. That's the way that it feels. Yep. When they were beaten up severely over the education law, you said at the time, you know, if they get caught like this again, they really should go. They have been caught like this again. I mean, Herm, Herm School yep. uh, in, the, in the last state's meeting, you know, it almost seems that let's do the two projects together was a way of avoiding them losing that damaging defeat on capital project, which which would have you know been curtains for the committee. Yes, I mean I I, I don't think the two issues are in the same league with respect. I think the issue of the education law was well, it was unprecedented. I I said at the time I couldn't remember, and I don't know whether either any of you know you guys can. Um, the last time such a significant piece of work was so extensively amended. I really couldn't. I think I think it's unprecedented in my time in the States. I stand to be corrected. The the, the issue over uh, homeschool wa was different. Um, and in, and in, in many respects, I think that they should be um, uh, they should be applauded for bringing it because, you know, the cost per pupil is extremely high. No question. But the damage, the potential damage to the infrastructure of the island was such, uh, and of course the difficulties around you know travel in the winter and such like were such that I think the majority of states members thought, you know what, this this really is a, a, a quite exceptional uh, uh, case. So it was practicalities rather than yeah. politics. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I mean I think the education uh, law. Um, defeat was spectacular, um, but I, I don't I don't think the the I think it was more about you know. You, you had to do this, um, you know, savings and all the rest of it. However, um, you know, when we drill down into the, the realities of it, 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 it's 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 probably from a social perspective the right thing to do to keep it. What will be worrying education, I think, the most is not so much being defeated, either on the education law or um, school, but is the size of the votes in the states. Yes, agree. So the education law was sub before they withdrew it was subject to several amendments yeah um uh, at least two of which you you were heavily involved in proposing yeah, yeah indeed um but but amendment after amendment was was being approved yeah with the committee getting votes in the single figures yeah yeah and Herm school i can't remember the exact vote but it wasn't a narrowly defeated proposal was it no it, no it wasn't L let me tell you what i think the genesis of this is as well the, um, uh, the, the the president of, of ESC, um, uh, uh, Deputy Dodley Owen, um, is a you know a, a, a charming lady, and she's done her best. But uh, it's a little bit like action this day. If you make those sorts of comments and you don't deliver, um, you're on a shot to nothing. Before the last election, um, she bought a raquette, which um, sought uh, to pause um, uh, the the uh, the plans that were in place and carry out a review. The pause happened, and the review was never presented to the states in, in a manner that enabled states members to be convinced that what they were doing was was in, either in the best educational. Um, um, outcomes for the children or, or, or the most cost effective. The issue around the cost um, uh, remains, it won't go away. Uh, and and so, so if you like, the, the legacy of that is pervading uh, people's thinking, you know, today. And, it, and in politics, once the trust is, people start to waver in that regard, it's very, very difficult to get it back. And this leads me back to the point I was making about the selling of the of the of the the tax policies, the introduction of a goods and services tax. I, I genuinely believe, and I have told Peter this, Peter Fairbrush this, that a different group of people, dedicated right from the word go, rather than sort of taking a year or so to make up their minds, 
would have would have been able to persuade this community of the of the necessity of the introduction of GST. I, I genuinely believe that. Um, but they they didn't do it, partly because they didn't really believe in it themselves initially. I mean, some of them uh, on the PNR stood stood on a at the last election on a really solid package of, of, of no new taxes. Now, of course, those of us that, that have been around a while, myself included, said in our manifesto, new taxes or, or, or more taxes is inevitable. You've only got to look at the comparison of Guernsey to the, the other two crown dependencies to see we're simply not taking enough tax. That that's that's a given, and I've always you know maintain that view um but once once people are are uncertain about the if you like the, the sincerity of, of people's thoughts and beliefs um uh, support can evaporate quite quickly and we saw that and uh, and we continue to see that in my view in the way that people are uh, reacting behaving to certain uh, presidents in the states there are exceptions i mean rob prowl for instance um has had a in my view has had a fantastic time as as home affairs uh, president well respected uh, always calm and collected uh, and and i think he's got almost everything if not everything he's brought to the states through mm. um one more point about tax which i think we ought not to leave is i mean you're a, a, a senior and experienced backbencher for want mm-hmm. of, a, of a better word in our system yeah um I mean, you have a responsibility, presumably, to to help present the states with a way out of this tax and spending yes. problem. You yeah. were involved to a greater or lesser extent in the so-called fairer alternative, yeah. which was put forward yeah. as, uh, as as an alternative to PNR's proposals in February. Do you think there will be the emergence of that kind of alternative package again, to, tr- to at least to try and do something to address yeah. a sizable deficit in states' finances, which I don't think anybody... Um, you know, c- contests is is a reality. No, I, I, the, I, I'm fairly certain uh, you you will see that. Uh, Are you involved in anything at the moment? I, I'm I'm having some discussions uh, with people, but my discussions are primarily around uh, the, the the borrowing side of things. I, I mean, I, I and I, if you don't mind, I'll address that first. Um, it, the the decision to borrow three hundred and thirty five million pounds was not mine, but I voted for it. It was a decision, or it was a proposition that was bought by uh, successfully by Gavin Saint Pierre. It had been bought um, earlier by Charles, but it was unsuccessful. And I supported it because it made complete sense. You didn't have to be a genius to know that interest rates were at unprecedented levels, um, and that, that there was a very, very strong likelihood that they would go back up and, and potentially go back up quite r- rapidly. That's exactly what happened. So when the states made that decision to, to borrow, it was the right decision, and it has been a phenomenally successful decision. We don't make enough of it. You know, the the returns, um, because of the way that the the cash that, that hasn't been lended has been involved in the, in the equity markets has been very good. Interest rates have risen uh, and the, 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 the bond now trades at something around 70, which means that if this was a, a sort of a UK government um, uh, uh, a guilt, uh, we could we could buy that back for 70% of the figure. You know, that's 100 million quid just like that. You know, these things aren't door numbers. Um, but now is, is absolutely the wrong time uh, to be borrowing. But of course, my friends on the PNR committee know that this this is, if you like, a, a stalking horse. This is all about. Well, of course, you don't want to borrow, but if you want to get this work done, agree to GST. Now, to your second point, what would I do? Well, I sit on the the, the tax subcommittee um, that is 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 working through some of these issues, and I have told my colleagues that. 
um, there is no doubt that we need we need you know the public purse needs to take more tax. I, I, you know, I don't I don't argue about that at all. Um, but uh, it would it would simply be easier to introduce something that was uh, uh, completely uh, and totally hypothecated towards long term health care because then people would see that this is absolutely going towards paying nurses and, and paying for, for um, long-term care infrastructure and the like. Uh, so I wouldn't hesitate in raising uh, by 3% uh, uh, the amount that we take for that purpose. And I think that that could be explained away in a way that, that or it could be explained in a way that people would understand and would have some confidence in. Um, and I've told them that. I, I also wouldn't, uh, personally, I wouldn't hesitate in raising the basic rate of, of personal income tax. I don't believe it should be sacrosanct at 20%. And I think we uh, do the community an injustice by sort of pretending, because what we've done is we've seen rises in, in social security uh, up to a current ceiling of just under 170,000. Um, uh, and, um, you know, people aren't stupid. <laughs> if, if the blended rate that they're paying up to that ceiling is, I don't know, 31.5% if they're, if they're um, self-employed, it's 31.5%. Uh, so, so, but it needs to be 34.5%. So, which would still see us uh, uh, much lower than, than either Jersey uh, or, or the Isle of Man or the United Kingdom or, or any of the other um, uh, uh, jurisdictions close to us. So that's what I would do. And I've told my colleagues that. Um, but they are, you know, they're absolutely wedded now to, to GST. And, and the main reason they're wedded to it is because they want to diversify the tax base. And I get it. But politics is about pragmatism. And if you can't get a solution in, in, in one way, you have to do it again. You have to look at it again. And, and I, So they're going to lose again. Uh, and then eventually there'll be a set of proposals that will, in my, in my uh, humble opinion, uh, will be based along the lines of, of those that I've explained. But realistically, that set of proposals will come in the next states, surely. You can't have another attempt uh, within the life, lifespan of this. It could now. come they in could this do debate, it. though, in October. It could come in this debate, well, or they could do it through, through next year's budget and and that would be the sensible thing to do uh, you really think that the that, that arranging a package on the eve of an election won't just lead to a vote fast well october of next year october 2024 isn't really the eve of the election the election will will be in the june of 2025 um so uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's plenty. I think there's plenty of time. Um, but I, what I, I the the fact that that I, you know I am predicting. Who knows? I could be wrong. That the states will reject GST. Out of interest, do you, do you guys think that will happen again, or do you think you, are you seeing some? Well, I th uh, you, you said they needed to turn. I think three or four votes, but I, I think they need to turn six votes. When when I look at the numbers, yeah, I think they could perhaps turn two. Yes, uh, the, the chances of getting to twenty one having only reached 15 yep. in February, must be, uh, must be practically zero. And, and I suspect that in their heart of hearts, they, they know that. Particularly, I, Matt, if I may, if you bear, bear in mind that what is proposed cannot be delivered for the reasons we've said, because the, the, there is simply, there aren't enough people, not enough tradesmen, uh, unless we suck in a, a huge amount of outside resource. So, you know, it's back, it's back to this whole sort of, you know, issue. That will be the primary driver. Uh, My suspicion, uh, though, is that if, if, if they can't get, or if the states don't emerge from this October debate having agreed a tax package, that they won't in this state's term. I mean, I, I take your point that in timing terms, yeah. 
it could be done in next year's budget. But I think that that seems to me unlikely. I think it's more likely that the states in October will vote for an alternative package yeah. if if a kind of coherent one is put together. Yeah. Bearing in mind that in the February debate, when PNR's proposal lost 1525, yeah. the, uh, the package you were involved in lost only on a tied vote. It did. It did. So actually... Uh, you know that 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 kind of package, an alternative package, mm. has a much um, smaller journey to travel to get it over the line yeah. than PNRs does yeah. in October, which is a repeat of February's package plus three hundred and fifty million pounds of borrowing. Yes. I mean, in a way, I think it's quite admirable that they're that they're putting it forward again. They sincerely believe in it. Um, uh, you know, their sincerity, I don't think, is in doubt. But politically. The chances of getting that kind of package through the states is 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 very low. Surely, that's right. Did you show that view, Jim? Um, I'm going to move on, uh, Lyndon, to, okay. <laughs> to take the debate in a different direction. You referenced uh, briefly about uh, the demand, the need to provide more housing rather than other uh, infrastructure developments. Uh, we've seen proposals, re- uh, an update recently about Leal's Yard and the bridge, yep. and then although there's no housing involved. Keyside on the bridge you used yep. to be a St. Sampson's representative. Still, uh, in your heart is in the parish, uh, I, I guess. Where do you stand on on, well, on li- that proposal? Well, absolutely. I mean, Lille's Yard is in the parish of St. Sampson's, or most of it is. Um, whereas Keyside, of course, is in the parish of the Vale. So, okay, um, so you're not commenting uh, on Keyside. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> no, I, I mean Lille's Yard is is. Um, uh, uh, I mean, it's a complicated site, as we know, because of its its low lying. Um, uh, nature, um, uh, but by the same token, it, it is, I think, in most people's minds, the, the most obvious um, place in Guernsey uh, for, for high density housing. Why? Because uh, it'll help invigorate the bridge. The bridge is our second, you know, largest uh, uh, centre, um, and um, so I mean, I, I, I'm fully behind it. Do you think the state should kickstart it with? With its own investment, yeah, I think the states is going to have to do that. Uh, I don't think there's there's much there's much uh, uh, chance of it getting going without it. Um, and um, but but th- but there's the problem, Matt. If you're if you're honest about it, if it costs you ten million, fifteen million, or, or whatever to sort of improve the sea defences and, and and the irrigation, and everything else, um, th- then that's another factor in the whole quest towards negative factor, the whole quest towards affordable housing. And, and I, I made some comments quite recently about what affordable housing looks like elsewhere. Well, the international measure is five times median earnings yeah. or less, and here we are at sixteen or seventeen times. So we've got. We, 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 I can't. I, I can't ever imagine us getting back to anything that looks affordable, unless our economy collapses, and, and no one wants that. Um, but clearly, uh, housing is is um, uh, uh, and the lack of it, lack of the suitable suitable housing, is a real issue, and, and it has to be uh, the number one driver. I mean, it's, it, you're back, aren't you, into into basic Guernsey uh, um, thinking. You know, we can all. You, you, if you've got good teachers, um, uh, you can get a good education in, in far from ideal um, uh, surroundings. Um, uh, but if you can't find anywhere to put your teachers to live, um, then you're not going to have a good education because you simply haven't got the right, you know, teacher pupil, you know, ratios. So I mean, it, it does. Whichever way you shake a stick at it, it, it does all come back uh, to housing. So they are right to have that as a number one priority. But but they must also be sensible and say, look, well, if you're going to do that, uh, focus on housing, which makes sense. Um, a whole load of other things uh, need to be 
uh, uh, need, need, need to be sacrificed. You simply can't do it all, and it would be foolish uh, to try to do it all. Uh, and just moving briefly to Quayside, I mean, I'm mm. sure you've walked across the parish border yep. once or twice. Uh, I, it's it's a, a retail uh, opportunity that's been identified there. Yep. But you know, is there? Do you think is there a desire for a broader development of uh, of Northside? You know, if yeah. if, if, if the bridge is yeah. going to be revitalised, I guess Southside and Northside, uh, you know, are, are ripe for a bit more explo- exploitation, wouldn't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's always difficult, isn't it? The the uh, you've got to have that mix, um, but it but it seems seems to me uh, that that um, Keyside would would benefit from being a, a you know a residential development. Uh, I mean, you you need people to be living very close to these local centres for them to be as vibrant as they need to be. Uh, so I would, I mean, I personally wouldn't have a problem with that. I also wouldn't have a problem uh, with giving housing permissions to all the, the hotels that are not currently in use. But I do understand why uh, the authorities are, are, are eager not to see a situation occur where, where the bedstock of the island arose to such an extent that we no longer have a viable tourist sector. That said, if something is laid empty for 20 years because no one can come up with a business plan to make it work, well, at that stage, you know, cut your losses. Well, uh, I, uh, well, you as the states approved yeah. a, a free hit on those tourist sites. Yeah, uh, you know, that has been sluggish in the extreme. I mean, nothing has happened on any of those uh, projects. I don't believe. I think uh, I think Larry Hotel is is moving on. There, there's a plan uh, yeah, in place yeah. for that. Yeah, but, but but you're right. But then you know, again, um, why is that? It it, it isn't ne- doesn't necessarily follow that it's it's the state's policy that is frustrating these developments. R- rather, the availability of of construction labour uh, resource at an affordable price for the developer. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, just briefly, Development and Planning Authority has put out a call for sites, basically you're looking for new, um, you know, new places for housing, and indeed a new local centre, uh, yep. uh, and say they're prepared to look in the western parishes uh, where you are now a resident. Uh, do you understand that? I mean, you know, the the constant moaning about the pressure in the north, someone's got to give, I guess. I do, yes, is the answer, particularly around the village centres, uh, which is where the you know, majority of the, uh, the focus will be. Uh, I, I, do, I do agree with that. I think the pressure on the north of the island is, is extreme, uh, and I've, I've felt that um, for as long as I've been a, uh, you know, a representative in the States, irrespective of whether it's as an island-wide representative or St. Sampson's one. Um, I think you know, it does, does have to be done... Uh, you know, carefully, uh, uh, and, and I and I, I do share the view uh, that I would use you know, a, a brown site over a green site any day of the week. Uh, what I I probably do though is have a slightly different definition of a brown site. If there is a if there is a, a derelict greenhouse that is nothing but one big bramble bush, it's an area of something I disagree with my my friend Deputy Roffy on there are a few things, uh, big picture things I disagree with him on, but this is one of them. Uh, he thinks they're places of you know fantastic sort of um, uh, natural beauty. Uh, I think they're hideous. Uh, and, and frankly, I can't think of, of many Guernsey people who, who who wouldn't want to see them uh, raised to the ground and 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 have a, a some suitable you know housing on some of these sites. Not all, but some. So yeah, I mean, you got you can't make an omelette w- without cracking a few eggs, uh, and this is an example 
of, of where there has to be some give. But that's the long-held concern about the dereliction lottery. Who you know who wins by leaving their uh, by leaving their site, uh, getting into that mess. Absolutely. Interesting point. I mean, there's the po- a- that is that's unfortunately that is the politics of envy. But that there have been traditionally people who have benefited mm. as a consequence. Um, but but you know the, most people in our community are, are jolly decent you know human beings. They're, they're not rogues. Uh, they, they, they they've got this 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 eyesore. Uh, uh, in many cases, because I can't afford to make good. Mm. I mean, when I first came into the States, there was the unempl- uh, people who were unemployed, who were fit and healthy, were deployed to, to do this. But health and safety, as I understand it, me- means that that's no longer practical. I mean, come on. <laughs> there is a large greenhouse site in the news uh, to be potentially turned into a solar farm. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, I, I, th- th- this this takes us neatly, doesn't it, into the the whole renewables um, uh, argument. Um, uh, clearly, uh, solar has a place, and uh, wind has a place. Um, but when I'm not involved in in politics, I do quite a lot of stuff in financial services, and, and one of the things I do is I chair a, a board of a highly successful and an in- highly environmentally friendly mining company. And some of the statistics I see in, in that environment are um, uh, interesting. A, a, a one unit of wind power, for instance, consumes nine times more uh, uh, resources um, than a single unit of, of nuclear power. So whilst, whilst um, uh, well, both are sustainable, but clear, clearly wind power is, is, is um, uh, the most sustainable, uh, the, the truth is that there's a, a significant environmental cost uh, to using to using wind that sometimes people don't see um, and then the, the issues around solar uh, uh, for solar to be a, a really successful form of uh, uh, energy uh, you need to be able to store it and to be able to store it you need lithium uh, and how do you get lithium you get lithium via mining so there are some people out there who are opposed to mining uh, uh, because I think it's a bad thing without realising that you can't have one without t'other. Uh, so it's all about the remediation at the end of the day with these with these miners. So, but to your question specifically, solar is part of a suite of 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 um, uh, uh, of uh, options for, for for the overall um, solution. Um, but there's a bit of an ideas battle going on about wind power, isn't there? Because D- Deputy Carl Meerveld. Uh, has has been public saying that that he thinks uh, that we could export huge quantities of of wind power to uh, probably to France, yep. possibly to the UK, and that it would be uh, an economic a, a big industry for Guernsey, and it would be it would generate a lot of revenue to the extent that GST could be avoided. Um, now I'm interested in your view on that. I mean, he, he sits on um, the policy and resources. Mm wind investigation task group or whatever it is uh my understanding is that uh they may be sufficiently annoyed with with his comments uh, about export that that they may be considering kicking him off it um and i asked deputy about that yesterday and uh and he said no comment Mm. but uh do you think deputy meerveld is this just a you know pie in the sky um or do you think that wind power is potentially a, a, a big industry for, for an export industry for Guernsey okay I mean wind power in the UK currently doesn't make any money so um, and scale is really important so to make money a, a number of things have, have got to happen um, and which makes me think that uh, the time frame 
um, is likely to be extended uh, out. Um, so uh, my, my sort of, if you like, my historic experience of politics is, is, is that things of this nature um, take longer than you know, anyone might think at the start. Uh, what does that mean? Well, it means that this is not going to be a fiscal solution for Guernsey at any time soon. And I think the comments from the Policy and Resources Committee are, are, are genuine and sincere. You know, th this, this may be an opportunity, but I suspect it's 10, 15 or 20 years away. And that's not because I'm a laggard and don't want to get on with things. It's just that's the reality. You know, these things don't make money. Uh, so where's this massive you know, capital investment going to come from uh, in, in the short term until that uh, issue has been redressed? The concept is also very anti-Guernsey concept isn't it you know to, to dream big and build it and they will come that's not that's not the Guernsey way you know no. to, to think that we you know, let's build the biggest but then you're into possibly imagine yeah. and, and sell sell our product to, to everywhere else I mean when you're talking just, when you talk about tidal power the attraction of the Channel Islands is obvious you know such big tides with with such uh, and of course, entirely predictable. That's the beauty of tide. If power. wind isn't ready yet, tidal is even further off. Exactly. It? But you then have to ask why Guernsey for wind when um, uh, uh, it, it's uh, it's scalable, you know, almost anywhere. Now, so, I mean, I, but what I would not want to do is discourage him and others uh, because uh, these are these ideas. You never know. Uh, I mean, th this could be the next big thing. Would so you I share something with Jersey? But, yeah, of course. Of course, although although uh, in the states um, uh, uh, during the debate on the energy strategy, uh, many of us uh, referred to the the very difficult relationship uh, that has um, uh, evolved over the Channel Islands electricity grid, and um, it, it, you know there were some newer members of the state saying, "Well, that was then. This is now." No, hang on. No, this is now. These problems are, are, are on the here and now. But look, on most things, uh, our relationship with Jersey is a solid one, isn't it? I mean, the Channel Islands Brussels office is a, an example of some great success of, of pan-channel island working. Um, uh, but there are occasions when certain behaviours are baffling. And, and I think um, all of the, the people involved on the Guernsey side have found some of the behaviours over the Channel and Electricity Grid to be particularly baffling. Okay. Uh, so this week, I know you, you're busy with Guernsey Finance, where you are the chairman yep. of the organisation. And this week they're running Sustainable Finance Week. So uh, you know, there's a two-day conference, yep. uh, which is going over some of these uh, issues that, that we're talking some about. Issues, yeah. uh, also, Guernsey, uh, finance industry in Guernsey also came to the fore last week when the... Uh, Economic Development President uh, sat before a scrutiny hearing and basically said, you know, uh, complained that finance industry was leaving, uh, you know, leaving Islanders behind. Uh, you know, you've been involved, you've made your career in uh, largely in, in that industry. I have, yeah. Do you, you know, I guess you're, you wouldn't say that um, financial services has ever been bad for Guernsey, would you? No, I, I, don't, I don't think it, 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 it's ever been bad for Guernsey. I mean, 8,000 people are, are employed in, in financial services. You know, it's our biggest uh, employer. Uh, and, uh, and what would we look like today if we didn't have financial services? Because we wouldn't have had uh, a sustainable um, horticulture industry. It's one of the reasons why the financial services industry emerged. 
So I'm a I'm a, 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 a massive fan of the financial services industry. I'm delighted we have it, and I, I do everything in my my power to keep it strong and vibrant, um, because I, I I don't want to give too much thought to the alternatives, um, because it would be it would be horrific. I suppose the only we, thing we could take sucker from would be the house prices would be lower. They would be. They would be. Uh, uh, I mean that's a fact. Well, uh, what uh, but, but the co- the consequences of that are huge. But. I'm. I am going to be. It has changed the island. It's been, I think, fairly gradual. Um, the success of the industry has had some had some consequences, and and house prices are a consequence of cheap money, and and uh, you know good you know good um, uh, uh, um, solid uh, uh, um, sound uh, employment prospects. Linda, um, can I do what uh, he actually said was yeah. I'm starting to see that Guernsey folk are getting left behind in this constant drive for professionalization and the gentrification of the island the core mm. Guernsey folk are getting left behind now I mean he's speaking to a part of the population which does feel like that isn't it doesn't isn't it there is this genuine feeling the finance industry despite all the prosperity that it has helped to bring to Guernsey and, and still does yeah. as our primary industry has has never quite uh, convinced the, the whole population in the way that kind of horticulture did or tourism did yeah. that everybody is invested in it. Never, it. never quite lifted all boats, perhaps. Well, whether it has or it hasn't, the perception, I think, has been that some people have benefited and other people feel as if they they haven't benefited i mean you yeah. you're kind of in Whereas the center I, of that industry no, absolutely. You, you feel and that perception i i, I mean I, I felt it much more acutely 20 odd years ago I, I think with every passing year that narrows i mean it, it would be an interesting challenge to find a guernsey family now or a, a family resident in guernsey that did not have uh, a member uh, involved in financial services in some way or another the benefits have been we, we you know we've got fantastic a fantastic hospital, uh, and and uh, we've got uh, 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 huge benefits in terms of connectivity and various other things that come from the industry. Um, but there is there is no doubt that uh, uh, the if me, if median earnings are are X, if you are working in the financial services industry, the chances are that med- that median is higher. Not the chances are the the the, the average, the median earnings of the eight thousand people who work in financial services is higher than the uh, than the the other set in our community. But what does that mean? Well, it means I pay more tax, uh, which benefits you know those. the The issue is, ha- has there been enough trickle down? Uh, for some people uh, and the answer to that is no but you are somebody like my father an 85 year old guernsey man um whether guernsey's better now than back then uh when he and he says well of course it's better now because the services that we receive are better it was a more peaceful more tranquil life back then but nothing stands still so you know we had no choice but to to evolve remember the financial the the horticulture industry was failing as financial services was starting, the fact that our forefathers had the sense to produce a, an environment, a platform that enabled financial services to, to, to prosper uh, was an act of genius on their behalf. And I think we should be you know, very grateful to them. But I do understand, I do understand the, the, that there are still some who feel uh, disenfranchised as a consequence. But I would say to them, you know, look further, look beyond that. Look at the quality of our schools relative to maybe how they were. Look at look at the health the health service. 
uh, and so on, and and you know, and think of all of those um, uh, 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 positive benefits. We're reaching the bottom of our coffee cups. I think it might be time for us to uh, to, to move on. Uh, the next states meeting is is next week. Uh, there's only a couple of items on the agenda, but you know, the big one is the uh, extension of the airport runway. In short, yes or no. Well, uh, this is the trouble, isn't it, with, with politics? Uh, uh, the If you'd asked me that question, should we develop uh, Aldney's uh, airport, uh, it would be an absolute and unequivocal no. I think all of the evidence that that is a silly thing to do um, is there. I mean, w- what sort of a community spends the equivalent on a per capita basis of 800 million on, on, on 2,000 souls uh, when we're all scrabbling around in the larger island to decide whether we can even afford to spend 550 million over the next 10 years on, on Guernsey-based infrastructure projects. Um, but the, uh, I, I think the states will reject the, um, uh, the, the Vermeulen Amendment, um, uh, but I think it's a much closer call because it is within the existing environs, so there's no environmental issues. So it really is a case of whether the, the cost-benefit analysis stacks up. And I don't think it does, and therefore I think the states will probably... It's very it. difficult. I, I remember you were involved in a, a project at one point to you know, think about really what should we do with Orini, and you just couldn't reach a consensus on, on you know whether that should be you know making a profit washing its own face yeah. or being used as a uh, economic enabler for the island yeah, yeah. well my uh, these issues are really they are really complex they are very they, they, they are they're hugely complex uh, and um but but sometimes it, it, it doesn't hurt to go back and and remi- remind oneself why we bought it in the first place we bought orini to secure access into london because that is essential uh, for both our primary industry and for most of us as citizens. Um, we didn't buy it for any other reason. Now, if we decide to use it for other purposes, then that's fine. But we need to you know, absolutely uh, understand uh, the, uh, the benefits and otherwise of doing so. I mean, when I look back on that Orini review, I, I, I would have had it doing nothing else. Um, if, I, if, I, if, if the decision had been left up to me, Orini would have provided a regular service into London Gatwick, um, and that would have been it. Uh, and we would have let uh, uh, the, the the commercial sector, the private sector, provide all other routes. Um, but that isn't as simple as that, because you get redundancy time where they, where these aeroplanes can triangulate in a way that is actually more cost effective um, than having them simply uh, 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 operating on a single route. So all of these things then come into the, the calculation. But Orini is a success story in the sense that the losses have been stemmed, uh, but they're synthetically because, you know, we pay a, 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 a shed load of subsidy uh, to keep the Orini routes viable. Um, and, uh, you know, that's another thing. That's another thing. Uh, I, I know people say I go on about this, uh, but th- there's every justification. The, the uh, £3,000 or more, getting up to £3,500 per person in Alderney is the subsidy that the Guernsey taxpayer uh, now sends across. I mean... These yeah, big, the, the, these big numbers, the recapitalization of Orony, yep. which has totaled 80 million plus yep. over the last 10 years or less. Yep. And a big part of, of Orony's losses are related to the Alderney route. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they've been very clear about that. Not exclusively, uh, but a big part in terms of the overall quantum. And of course, a massive figure on a per capita basis. 
Um, uh, but you know, so there are there are some really sort of tough decisions that, that need to be made. Uh, uh, and as a politician, you can't be all things to all men. So you have to set yourself a set of criteria from which to sort of balance fairness. And I think it is, I'm going to say it again, I think it is absolutely absurd that this state has decided to spend the equivalent of 800 million on Alderney Airport when we are, 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 are so challenged on how we're going to fulfil a capital programme of five-eighths of that uh, for a community uh, that is, what, uh, uh, 20, 30 times you know, larger. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, uh, the, the, um, the, there, there were some odd decisions tax in the state. And, and uh, the tax plan m- might have been more complicated by throwing in the debate about all these capital projects because uh, they've now got to get a majority not only for GST as the way of raising the additional tax, yeah. but they've got to get a majority in favour of, essentially in favour of all the capital projects yes. that are on that wish list as well haven't they and and so it might be it might be that even if somebody can put a tax package together that could get to 21 votes yeah it might fail because members don't want to fund some of the capital projects that are on that list they may have been made harder by putting those issues all together in one pot so i suppose on the other boot on the other foot by putting in capital projects you're giving somebody something for their money as opposed to thinking my extra gst payments are going in the black hole uh, that it just simply keeps the states running uh, as it is no prospect of any savings uh, you know and frankly you know what capital projects are we going to get done at least here you're saying you want new school in the hospital pay for it please you know and And the cynic would say that's what pnr is trying to do isn't it they're trying to it shows states members that if well, you don't vote in favour of their tax package, you can't get this list of desirable capital projects. But indeed, I, I mean, it, it, it. I guess it will be p- politically uh, very clever if they if they manage to to get it through the states. But it I, seems to me it's probably increased the chances of it not getting through the states. I, I think I think that's a, 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 a you know a fair assessment. I mean, I have heard uh, the most sort of acute cynics. Uh, in our community say um, that um, they know they're going to lose um, as a consequence of losing uh, uh, they'll all you know jump ship they'll all jack it in Um, a a new lot will come in and at the next election they'll be able to say well look you know we weren't the incumbents you know give us another chance and you know we'll I I don't think that's going through their minds Um, uh, uh, frankly I think I think they're far more um, you know, decent than that, and I, and I, you know, I, I suggest no, no bad faith, um, but I think that's an outcome that could um, uh, could well manifest itself, because how how do you carry on if you get if you get a, a kicking um, uh, uh, again on on something as substantial as that. And why would you want to carry on? I suppose that's the other the other thing. Um, but then you, you, we, it's not a big leap uh, to, 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 to start considering, well, what would the alternative look like? Who would come forward and want to do that uh, for the remainder, remaining 18 months of this uh, assembly? So it is complicated. So and, the obvious uh, question then is, would you? <laughs> <laughs> well, the the problem. Uh, I, I guess I guess I was um, taking myself down a cul-de-sac for that question. Uh, the, uh, the the truth the truth is, um, uh, uh, Mrs. Trot would take t- some persuading, because what what your listeners re- really must uh, appreciate is just how demanding it is uh, to be to be chief minister. 
in particular, I'm not saying it isn't demanding to be uh, uh, hold other roles within the Policy and Resources Committee, but having been, you know, Treasury Minister and having been Deputy Chief Minister, I can tell you that the, the Chief Minister's job is is an enormous role, and it wouldn't surprise me if Peter Fairbrush um, was doing 65 hours a week, and your whole life gets put on hold. That there's not much time to do, you know, much many other things. Now that's not an attractive proposition. It, it isn't the, the the issue that it isn't particularly well paid. I mean, the community might think seventy seventy odd thousand pounds a year is well paid, but, but for sixty five hours a week and, and absolutely no time to do anything else meaningfully, uh, it isn't a lot. Um, but the 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 toll it takes on you um, psychologically, uh, 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 in particular, is enormous. Because you, um, you start uh, with this degree of popularity and by and large, uh, the tide goes out for the, for the four or five years you hold the office until you become almost persona non grata. That, that unfortunately, is, is the nature of, of small community politics. Is it right the only way to fix that is to go on to Guernsey People Have Your Say? Uh, well, you've got to, uh, this, is a, this is an interesting topic possibly to finish on um he's damned if he does he's damned if he doesn't i mean i i, I, t- I tell you 60 percent of me uh, uh applauds him uh, for the for the the bravery of doing it but but the fo- the other 40 percent of me says this is too much too late too little too late you, you know if you really wanted that level of engagement uh then then and you could see that the people weren't coming to you which they concluded meant that there was widespread support, then you've got to go to the people. And, and how better to do that in the modern world than through uh, social media? Um, but I do predict it will, it will, um, it, it will not turn out um, to, be, to be the best decision uh, that uh, Deputy Fairbrush has made. Why would you say that? Because I, I, I think that uh, as things stand at the moment, there's, there's a novelty factor. He's addressing a, a very significant uh, uh, issue. Uh, it's complex. Uh, he believes in what he's doing. Um, but you can't switch that on and off. It's almost like the Pandora's box now. He can't then sort of walk away and, and next time a contentious item comes on, say, well, I'm not going to deal with it. I said it would be... A, you know, he, he's now going to have to maintain this for the for the duration of his time as CM. It's hugely and time-consuming. Hugely it, time-consuming. And that's the other thing, and, and, you know, 65 hours a week has probably become 75 well, exactly. hours a week. When you were Chief Minister, it was yeah. the very nascent days of social media. It was. And I know yeah. you did a little bit of... Uh, Dalliance on on online forums, etc. Yeah. But you haven't done in recent years. No. If you were chief minister again now, steering through an unpopular policy, would you go online or wouldn't you? Well, I, I think the uh, you know the world has moved on. I mean, I stopped being chief minister in two thousand and twelve. That was eleven years ago. It, it, the, the developments in social media during that period, of course, have been you know quite extraordinary. Um, the I would be reluctant, and I don't I don't say that out of any disrespect to the election. I would be reluctant because of how time consuming it is however i think i would have no choice i I think i think you have to uh, if you're in those roles now because people people demand it and there's a whole generation of people who can't remember you know what it's like like it was when we were doing 010 back in 2006 2007 we did 117 public facing meetings and and most of them were packed Uh, but that's not how those things don't happen to the same degree anymore. It's now much more, uh, 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 you know, less, much less personal. It is in cyberspace. Yeah. We all Other governments spend much more, of course, on, on communications than, than Guernsey does. I, mean, I went to interview Deputy Furbrush um, on the day he, you know, he started on Guernsey People Have Your Say. I felt quite sorry for him. He was literally there in his office with an iPad and he's, he's close to a one-finger typist. 
you know, trying <laughs> to respond yep. to all these questions he was being asked. Mm. Now, if that's going to become the expectation for, for the, our most senior politicians who are already doing yep. the kind of hours you, you talk about, yep. it's not going to be a big step before uh, officials are going to be doing that on their behalf. Yes. Is it? Because Which is what happens in the UK, that's what of course. Happens in Adam, uh, no, it indeed. probably happens in Jersey. Yeah. And yeah. it, it does tend to happen in other jurisdictions. So, uh, no, indeed. Um, you know, I expect then, if, if people want that kind of level of engagement on social media, there is going to be a, a cost to the taxpayer to fund it. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, inevitably. And, and because it's what happens elsewhere, that there's, there, there is an inevitability that it will develop in that way here uh, eventually. Um yeah, I mean, it is. It's it's very brave, and uh, and I wish him every success. And uh, and I think he was very wise uh, the, to say from the onset, um, uh, let's all treat each other with respect, because if we don't, um, I won't be sticking around. And I, and I know he means that. He's the sort of man who wouldn't have said that unless he meant it, or he used words to that effect. And that that really is particularly important now because. 23 and a half years as a states member, I have seen um, an alarming change in the way that elected members treat each other. It is, it is, it, it's been quite extraordinary how standards have deteriorated. I don't think necessarily standards have deteriorated in terms of the intellect of the, of, of the representatives, but certainly behaviours have. Uh, and it, and it's, it's, it's indefensible, but, but that is the case. Um, and uh, it was a far more um, uh, pleasant environment uh, 23 and a half years ago when there were 57 members. Uh, there's now only 40. So there's 17 less people crammed in that uh, a chamber. Um, but, but sometimes it can get far more uh, um, uh, hot-tempered in there. And also not just in the chamber, but outside in the corridors of power. Well, and that is a topic for itself. I'm relieved we haven't got hot-tempered in here today, but maybe next time. Uh, but Deputy Linda Drott, thanks for uh, sharing your time with us today. Thank and, you for having um, me. The Guernsey Press Politics Podcast will be back with the Shorthand States next week for the uh, September, late September States meeting. So we'll see you then. Bye for now.